Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Leah, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, October 22nd, 2012. Today we're reading from the big book. We are in Chapter 4, We Agnostics, on page 47, the last paragraph. Today's readers are Penny E., Fran, Carol P., and Judy B. The share code for Friday, October 19th, 3193. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now call on Katie to read the 12 steps, please. Good morning. This is Katie, a compulsive overeater. One, we admitted we were powerless over food that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, Humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. Thank you. I will now call on Melanie to read the Twelve Traditions. Hi, good morning, Leah. Thank you for your service here. And my name is Melanie. I'm a compulsive overeater here in Minnesota this morning. The 12 traditions. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for a group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups 
or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Thus, problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me read that, and I'll pass. Thank you, Melanie. How our meeting works, our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book. We are in Chapter 4, entitled We Agnostics. You'll find us on page 47, the last paragraph, beginning with that was great news to us. And I will ask Penny E. to begin reading, please. Thank you. Good morning, Leah. Good morning, everybody. This is Penny E., a grateful, 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 recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. This was great news to us, for we had assumed we could not make use of spiritual principles unless we accepted many things on faith, which seemed difficult to believe. When people presented us with spiritual approaches, how frequently did we all say, I wish I had what that man has? I'm sure it would work if I could only believe as he believes. But I cannot accept as surely true the many articles of faith which are so plain to him. So it was comforting to learn that we could commence at a simpler level. I would like to share. Um, that last sentence, so it was comforting to learn that we could commence at a simpler level. So what we're talking about here is the second step, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. And uh, that sanity for me is, you know, eating in a, at a same place at the same time, in a sane manner, for a sane reason, 
I have same feelings and thoughts before and after and during the time I eat it. I'm maintaining a sane body size on and on and on. So I don't have to be turned away or fearful if I can't believe like all those people who have such great faith and can speak about it so well. It's really comforting, comforting, comforting. Um, it says in the paragraph uh, up a little bit further, we needed to ask ourselves but one short question. Do I now believe or, I, or am I even willing to believe that there is a power greater than myself? And as soon as a man can say that he does believe or is even willing to believe, we emphatically assure him that he is on his way. Ha! Ah, that's a relief. That's a relief. Because if I'm already on page 47 of this book, I've accepted a lot of what I've heard, the doctor's opinion, the disease concept. You know, I have accepted the fact that I am powerless. My life has come unmanageable. Where am I going to go from here? You know, now, now that you've torn me down, now where do I go? The only place we can go, natural progression, is to that second step. And all I have to do is be willing. I don't have to believe like anybody else. My higher power doesn't have to be the same as, you know, anybody else's. I just have to be open to the fact that if it, you tell me that it worked for you, I have hope that it can work for me. So I'm here to say that it has worked for me and continues to work. So please keep coming back, everybody. Love you. Have a God-filled day. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Penny. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Press star 1 to unmute. This is Paula Mashier. Of course, Paula. Please go ahead. Thank you. It says here, but I cannot accept it as surely true the many articles of faith which are so plain to him. Not the many, but I can take the few. And with the few, then I can go forward. But that word, yes, that was so so wonderfully spoken about, so it was comforting. You know, the comfort is to soothe, a state of ease, to learn that we could commence at a simple level. I would like to say that, you know, um, I and all my children walked at the same age, 11 months, 3 weeks, and 5 days. No, that wasn't the case. All of us walked at a certain point when we were ready. And, you know, I kept just willing and willingness I saw. Some would scoot across the floor. Some would crawl for a lot lengthier time. But eventually we stood up and we walked. And you know what? The simpler level, that's it. Don't make it so complicated. Don't make it so complicated. It really isn't. So I thank you for allowing me to share. And with that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Anyone else on what was read? This is Nicole. Go right ahead, Nicole, on what was read. Thank you. Thank you so much, Leah. This is Nicole, a gratefully recovering compulsive overeater. Um, This is such a great paragraph I love in the middle where it says when people presented us with spiritual approaches and you know when I was presented years ago with a spiritual idea um, I was able to accept it because really it was actually a perfect stranger that had approached me and she did not present me with complicated 
things to digest. It was very, very simple, and it touched me at the core of who I was. And from the moment that I accepted it, I sensed God with me. So I I truly believe this, that there is no way that you could present all of who you are as you've been walking with God for years to someone that has not even met God yet. It it just doesn't make sense. It, It makes so much sense to present them with the ground level, the willingness, just that, just just being open to being willing to know about God. And I just I really love this paragraph. I think it is very simple and it's very digestible. And with that I pass. Thank you so much. Anyone else on this paragraph? Yes, this is Sarah. Sarah, go ahead. Hi, good morning. This is Sarah, um, a recovered uh, compulsive overeater from Washington, D.C. It's funny, I was actually reading this paragraph last night, and it came um, even now with um, five years of recovery as a great comfort to me. I had a conversation with a fellow the other night who was um, talking about some spiritual concepts that I found very challenging, and it really kind of made me wonder, oh, where am I, and is this okay? And the truth of the matter is, is I've aged and I've grown. My uh, conception of a higher power has changed and continues to change. And it was so comforting for me to read this in the big book that really all that matters is what it says here. You know, all we have to ask is, you know, do I now believe or am I willing to believe that there is a power greater than myself And then again in the next paragraph, talking about that we could commence at a simpler level. So, so comforting to me um, that that's all that's required. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I, too, wanted to comment on this paragraph. You know, the paragraph prior to it, you know, reminds us that – all I have to do, you know, is be is believe or even be willing to believe that there is a power greater than myself. That's all that the text is teaching me. Am I do I believe or am I willing, even willing to believe that there is a power greater than myself? So in this paragraph that we're studying this morning, it says this first statement, that was great news to us for we had assumed we could not make use of spiritual principles unless we accepted many things on faith, which seemed difficult to believe. And faith means belief in the truth, value, or trustworthiness of an idea, a principle, a person, or thing. So what the text is doing is it is separating these two words. It's separating. It is making a difference. Um, it's differentiating between belief and faith. You know, faith implies knowledge. Faith implies surety. Faith is like after-the-fact information. You know, when I came here and someone cracked open this book for me, I never had any faith that God would do for me what I could never do for myself. I didn't have faith in that. The best I could possibly do on January 19, 1987, is be willing to believe that God could do so. Be willing to believe that God could do so, because I, I was sitting across from living proof that he had done that in somebody else. 
Then, after certain things transpired in my own journey through this text, I received God's power. Then I knew. Then I had faith because I had experienced it. You know, uh, I'm sure you've heard this example before, and it's true in, in our life. You guys know I recently made a move, you know, a little over a year ago from Minneapolis to uh, to the city I reside here in New Jersey, and uh, we needed a mechanic. So, you know, we asked a neighbor, who do you use as a mechanic? I mean, we didn't have any faith in that mechanic. We just believed that the neighbor was telling the truth. You know, this guy, uh, John, on Main Street is good. He's an honest person, and he'll take care of your vehicle, and he'll charge you a, dis- you know, a decent price. We didn't have faith in John. We had never met the man. You know, but after we brought our vehicle there, a 15-seater van, and he took care of it, then we had faith in John. You know, so because we had experienced what John could do, his magic under that hood, then we walked away knowing that John made a difference in our lives because he repaired my vehicle and I could get going the next day. You know, it's the same thing with God. when When someone opened this text for me and brought it to life, I had no personal experience. I had not opened myself up to that experience. The best I could do was be willing be willing to believe that God would do for me what I could not do for myself because he had transformed other people's lives, particularly the, the person sitting across from me that was uh, teaching me this text. So they are making a difference here between belief and faith. Do we now believe or even willing to believe that there's a power greater than ourselves? With that, I pass. Anyone else on this paragraph before we move on? This is Sharon. Sharon, go ahead, please. Thanks. Hi. Good, good morning. Uh, and good morning to everyone on the line. This is Sharon. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Uh, the thing I'd like to look at is, so it was comforting to learn that we could commence on a simpler level. And sometimes uh, we look at, uh, we compare uh, in, in our rooms. We compare. I know. Um, uh, oh, I'm. I don't need to lose a lot of weight, so maybe I don't need to be here. Maybe I'm not a compulsive overeater because I don't do the things that she does. Uh, and we we just compare. Oh, I'm I'm weird because I'm not like these, these people, or I feel different. But here it says. So it was comforting to learn that we could commence on a simpler level. Simpler does not mean inferior. Simpler does not mean on a worse level, uh, that someone else is on a better level. We don't want to get into the comparison game when it comes to uh, the, the spiritual growth and the spiritual life as defined by the big book of Overeaters Anonymous. There is no judgment on how you come into the room and how you grow in the room along spiritual lines. It's personal, it's individual. Each of us has our own uh, guide, our own higher power. Now, we, we find that when we come into the room that we 
it seems we, we have a, high, a higher power that's guiding and directing our meeting or, or moving us along together. But individually, we can, the big book teaches us that we can define our higher power according to where we are, according to what works for us. And so we need not get into a comparison game. We need not look at one person and say that they're better or different, and then therefore we are, we should be something other or something different. So just accepting where we are today, um, appreciating where we are spiritually. And the, the other thing that I have found personally is for me, the, the, the best thing that I can uh, do is allow my higher power to direct my growth. When I have tried to direct it, when I have tried to, well, I'm going to do this, this, and this, and then I'm going to get spiritual, more spiritual and, and better. This is the better way to do it. I'm going to do this, and I have rigid lines that I go along. It, that doesn't work for me as much as saying, okay, surrendering to my higher power, higher power, you're going to direct my growth. And then for me to watch the signs so that I can do the next right thing. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sharon. We're going to move to the next paragraph now, please, with Fran. Good morning, Leia. Good morning, Vision for you. Um, this is Fran Compulsive Overeater. Besides the seeming inability to accept much on faith, we often found ourselves handicapped by obstinacy, sensitiveness, and unreasonable prejudice. Many of us have been so touchy that even casual reference to spiritual things made us bristle with antagonism. This sort of thinking had to be abandoned. Though some of us resisted, we found no great difficulty in casting aside such feelings. Faced with alcoholic destruction, we soon became as open-minded on spiritual matters as we had tried to be on other questions. In this respect, alcohol was a great persuader. It finally beat us into a state of reasonableness. Sometimes this was a tedious process. We hope no one else will be prejudiced for as long as some of us were. And I just wanted to give the uh, definition for obstinacy, uh, stubbornness, self-will, run riot, unreasonable, inflexible, and uh, that's what I was. <laughs> And all I had to do was just become a little more open. And that's what this program's all about, casting out the old ideas and opening up just enough to get a new measure, even if it's a mustard seed of faith. And I pass. Thank you. Thank you very much, Fran. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Kim. Hi. Kim. Kim, go ahead. Good morning, Leah. Good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. I think we could spend the whole hour just on uh, this paragraph. It's just so rich. But I'm going to concentrate um, on that first line. It says, we often found ourselves handicapped by obstinacy, sensitiveness, and unreasoning prejudice. And uh, I looked up the word handicap. It says, having a condition that markedly restricts one's ability to function physically, mentally, or socially. 
And, and that's what this disease did. It restricted my entire life. It restricted my thoughts. It restricted me physically. It restricted me socially, emotionally, um, everything. I mean, it, it restricted me. Why was I being restricted? You know, Fran just gave a great definition of obstinacy because I was so darn stubborn, you know, sensitiveness. You know, my mom told me whenever she tried to bring up my weight, I only had two reactions. I would either start crying or I would start screaming. I couldn't handle anyone mentioning anything to me about my behavior. And unreasoning prejudice. You know, unreasoning, I looked that up too. It says not based on good sense. It's illogical. You know, it talks about in the doctor's opinion that our alcoholic life becomes the only normal one, that we can't differentiate the truth from the false. So I had these unreasoning ideas of why I am different. You know, why I, the prejudice, I can't stay stopped. I'm different than you people. You know, my mother was in OA. She came into OA when I was 11. She used to have this fourth-step meeting in my house every Wednesday. And me and my brothers were like, well, just don't call out of school on, on Wednesday because those crying ladies are going to be in there. I know, and I saw these old ladies were OA. I had so many prejudices about OA because of my growing up. You know, I grew up in religious schools. You know, I, I felt like, well, I can't trust this God of my childhood. You know, he wants, he wants to wait for me to screw up so that he can damn me to hell. You know, so in all those ways, many of us have been so touched that even a casual reference to spiritual things made us bristle with antagonisms. So I, I couldn't even hear it. I couldn't hear it because I was so handicapped by these ideas. And it goes along further about casting aside those ideas, and that's what we have to do. But we have to recognize what those ideas are first. Recognize that I am handicapped by obstinacy, sensitiveness, and unreasoning prejudice. And as long as I cling to those things, I cannot be open to the solution of this program. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Penny E. from South Jersey. Penny, your turn. Thank you. Good morning again, everybody. Leah, thank you for letting me share here. This sort of thinking had to be abandoned, had to be abandoned. I know lots of people count the must in here, but had really is a must. And why? Why do we have to abandon this type of thinking? Because if we don't, we're going to die. If we don't, we're not going to have a spiritual experience sufficient to bring about recovery, to drive out the obsession of the mind, the object of the game here. So I must, must abandon this type of thinking. Um, and I, I'm thinking, you know, why not try it? Why, I tried everything else, everything else. I had my jaws wired, well, not everything. I had my jaws wired shut. I went to all kinds of diet programs. I even lectured at a diet program, uh, all kinds of diet pills, amphetamines, water pills, exercise programs, uh, on and on and on and on. Uh, behavior modification, psychiatrist. I tried everything. Um, nothing worked. Why would I close my mind on just one more thing here who has a hundred people here who have done this and it's, they say it works. We were told in the beginning we can believe anything that these people tell us. You know, it's it's kind of like I'm drowning in the water. I am drowning. I'm dying. I'm going down to the last time. Food has got me by the neck. Someone throws me a life preserver. Am I? Am I? I'm not going to. I'm not sure it's going to save me. 
I'm not sure it's going to save me. I'm not, but am I in a position to say, no, I'm not going to try it? Because if I do that, if I do that, I'm going to die, and I don't want to die today. So, again, this thinking must be abandoned. Otherwise, I might as well just shut the book, you know, come back another day. Thanks for letting me share, and I love you all. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you, Penny. Anyone else? Like to comment on this paragraph? Good morning, Leah. It's Deb. Deb, please go ahead. Uh, good morning, folks. My name is Deb. I am a compulsive overeater. Um, again, it you know this word, these words, unreasoning prejudice, um, and it reminds me. It takes me back. Page forty-five talks about what some of those unreasoning prejudices are. You know, violently anti-religious. The word God brought up a particular idea of Him, which someone had tried to impress them during childhood. And perhaps we rejected this particular conception because it seemed inadequate. And with that rejection, we'd imagine we'd abandon the God idea entirely. Here's another one. We were bothered with the thought that faith and dependence upon a power beyond ourselves was somewhat weak and even cowardly. We looked upon the, war, the, the world of warring individuals, warring theological systems, and inexplicable calamity with deep skepticism. These are all prejudices you know, all prejudices. And so it really is telling us to really examine these things, to really take a look and understand or list, put down these prejudices because they do get in our way. And um, I know you guys have heard me say it before. Bill spent a lot of time, you know, a lot of time in his story examining and abandoning his prejudices. He starts on page 10. He goes through 11 and he goes halfway through 12 to talk about the abandonment of these prejudices. So this is really, really important stuff to take a look at. And I'm grateful to be reminded of that today. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Deb. Anyone else on this paragraph? Good morning. This is Margaret from South Jersey. Margaret, please go ahead. Thanks. Good morning, good morning, Leia. Good morning, uh, vision for you. This is Margaret Recover. And um, you know, as everyone's talking about with that, and as I was uh, contemplating surely on how do I start abandoning these ideas? Like, okay, all right, now I know I have to abandon these ideas. How do I start abandoning these ideas? And I believe in the 12 and 12, uh, when that was studied, it said there's a treasure trove of uh, spiritual practices. I picked up a couple of spiritual practices, and I just started doing them. I didn't particularly believe in them. I didn't particularly like them. Uh, but you know what? I thought I'll start here because it says we have to start someplace. And I took just those few practices, and I just started doing them. And that was the thing that began to allow me to break down the prejudices that I had by it was the action, uh, acting as if, but I don't even know how to act as if. It was getting on my knees. It was saying a certain prayer that I had, that, you know, that are that is given to us in the big book and many books, and just start doing it. They change over time. It's not like I have to stay with that particular one forever. But that was that was like a breaking point for me that kind of broke that open that I was willing to get down on my knees and begin somewhere. And um, I passed with that. Thank you. 
Thank you very much, Margaret. Anyone else on this paragraph? This is Katie. Katie, please go ahead. Hi, I'm Katie, a compulsive overeater, recovered today. Um, I like this sentence where it says, uh, even casual reference to spiritual things made us bristle with antagonism. Because I had tried for years um, to, to ask God to help me with my problem with food, and it didn't work. So I just could not believe that um, it was ever going to work. And it took um, other people who I saw were recovered, and they gently took me through the steps. And I only had enough belief for the day. Um, it didn't, you know, I loved um, the analogy that Paul Paula gave on a child walking. You know, we don't say, okay, um, here's step one. Okay, so, you know, start working step 12. I mean, we take it one step at a time, just like a child doesn't, you know, teeter across the room and everybody claps, and then we don't say, okay, well, here's some running shoes. Go run the Boston Marathon. We don't do that. And it's the same way with our faith, that we don't have to worry about having the level of faith that someone else appears to have. We just have to take a beginning, and God meets us wherever we are, and that is the beautiful thing about this program, that it's a one-day-at-a-time process, and we are given the spiritual um, reprieve on a daily basis. It's not for, you know, okay, here's your spiritual awakening. Now you just go live your life. No, we keep coming back every day to be filled up again. And thank God I don't have to be filled up with food. I'm filled up with the um, love and acceptance and guidance of my higher power. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Katie. Anyone else on what was read? This is Nicole. Nicole, please go ahead. Thank you again, Leah. This is Nicole, gratefully recovering. I love the first line where it says, besides a seeming inability to accept much on faith. You know, it's a seeming inability because we're really not unable or unable to accept things on faith. And in the next few paragraphs, what he's doing is he's setting us up here to show us that our seeming inability is a handicap because in future paragraphs, he's going to show us how we do accept many, many things on faith that we do not necessarily fully understand. Um, And the other thing with that is this seeming inability is handicapped by obstinacy. I love the word obstinacy because it reminds me of a stubborn mule. And, you know, I was really like that. I dug my heels in when people tried to pull me along. And the harder they tried, the more I dug my heels in. I just wouldn't go. And when you're trying to pull a mule, even to something good like water, even if it's thirsty, if you tug him the wrong way, he's going to just dig his heels in. And that is exactly how I felt when people would share with me about God. I just 
I had this handicap that I had developed over many years. It was a handicap that was within my own control, absolutely. But nonetheless, it caused me to dig my heels in. And I love this paragraph because it shows you how to talk to a stubborn mule like how I was to help her to unstick her heels. And with that, I pass. Thank you very much. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I wanted to focus on this statement here. Faced with alcoholic destruction, we soon became as open-minded on spiritual matters as we had tried to be on other questions. In this respect, alcohol was a great persuader. It finally beat us into a state of reasonableness. Um, You know, I just love this because... uh, you know, this was written by, uh, you know, alcoholics, uh, Bill Wilson, one of them, you know, and thank God he was a real alcoholic, and thank God he knew how many of us were going to feel when we got here. You know, he knew that uh, based on old ideas about God, that it would be almost impossible, seemingly impossible, for some of us to take that leap, but... um you know, what choice did I have at this point? I mean, it, it said on that first page of We Agnostics to be doomed to an alcoholic death or to live on a spiritual basis are not always easy alternatives to face. You know, there was no door number three. I had experienced almost two decades of compulsive overeating, almost two decades of, of mayhem. You know, I knew I was a compulsive overeater since I was a little kid, but I didn't know what I was up against. I didn't know the progression of this disease. I didn't know that it was going to turn into this runaway train. I had no idea how how, how hot hell was going to get, but it got there. You know, it got there. I was being pummeled pummeled by this disease. So it says here, faced with alcoholic destruction, and I was close to death. You know, uh, I didn't know how destructive I could be with my own hand, but um, it was getting close to taking my own life. Uh, Faced with alcoholic destruction, we soon became as open-minded on spiritual matters as we had tried to be on other questions. It didn't have to make sense. You know, finally, the disease had beat me into a state of reasonableness that, um, that, you know, that I was going to be able to experience God when my resistance stopped. You know, things didn't have to make intellectual sense to me. It didn't make intellectual sense that Captain Crunch could change my life. You know, that doesn't make intellectual sense that ingesting, you know, Captain Crunch and a few of his friends uh, is a power greater than myself, makes me feel at ease, gives me comfort, uh, gives me a sense of peace and calm. I mean, anybody witnessing that, it would make no intellectual sense how I would feel different after ingesting things that come out of a bakery. So why did this have to make intellectual sense? The living proof was sitting across from me from people who were cracking open this book. You know, God came through my wounds. That's what happened. (laughs) I got beat to such a pulp that God came through my wound. He's there. 
I just had to be willing to cast aside some old ideas and old attitudes and allow God to reveal himself to me. And that's exactly what happened to me, and that's exactly what this paragraph is saying, is that we can go from suffering because we resist and we want to do it our own way. And when we surrender, we go from that intellect and from that mind where resistance lives to a place where our spirit can be free, and that place is God. And with that, I pass. Anyone else want to comment on this paragraph? Okay, if not, we're going to move to the next paragraph, please, with Carol P. Good morning, Leah. Good morning, a vision for you. My name is Carol P., compulsive overeater recovered. The reader may still ask why he should believe in a power greater than himself. We think there are good reasons. Let us have a look at some of them. The practical individual of today is a stickler for facts and results. Nevertheless, the 20th century readily accepts theories of all kinds, provided they are firmly grounded in fact. We have numerous theories, for example, about electricity. Everybody believes them without a murmur of doubt. Why this ready acceptance? simply because it is impossible to explain what we see, feel, direct, and use without reasonable assumption as a starting point. And I'd like to just share on the very first part, the reader may still ask why he should believe in a power greater than himself. And, uh, boy, that makes me think of me, a real compulsive overeater. After everything I heard in the previous reading, still I'm going to ask why, 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 even faced with compulsive overeating destruction, you know, I'm going to ask why. Um, And here it says, we think there are good reasons. These over 100 people who have already recovered, uh, that's who I would be arguing with, um, that many people. Am I going to argue with one person? I might. Am I going to argue with over 100? Hmm, we think there are some good reasons. Uh, And then they gently say, you know, let's take a look at some of them, and that's exactly what they do. Thank you for the opportunity to share. I pass. Thank you very much. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Hi, this is Kim. Kim, thank you. Good morning, everyone, again. We have numerous theories, for example, about electricity. Everybody believes them without a murmur of doubt. You know, and and today in the 21st century, we have so many things that we just depend on and don't think about. You know, this weekend I had to drive to a couple different locations where I've never been to them. And what I did is I simply plugged in my GPS, plugged in the address, and I went off. I didn't say, no, 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 before I use this GPS, I have to understand where is the satellite, how does the message get to the satellite, where are the maps, um, what, let me understand the inner workings of this GPS before I get in my car and go to another location. No, it's, it's that we ex- I've accepted that. The GPS has worked for me consistently. I've heard other people use GPSs. You know, how often do we take a cell phone, and, and we have the cell phones now with GPSs and, and uh, all these different things, you know, I can scan, you know, something at a store, and it tells me, you know, what it is and how much it is and where I need to go to get a cheaper price. So we do this so readily in other parts of our life that we have to be able to say, you know what, if I can apply this to a GPS, if I can apply this to the latest iPhone or the latest gadget, I can apply this to my ideas of God. I can be open to new ideas. I don't have to see, feel, taste, touch, 
everything in life in order to believe in it. And it's the same with the spiritual program. So I think, you know, although they use electricity, we have so many more examples in modern times of what we come to believe as a, um, a fact without a murmur of a doubt. And with that, I pass. Thank you very much, Kim. Anyone else want to comment on this paragraph? Hi. Uh, go right ahead, please. Uh, it's Linda, uh, recover, a recovered compulsive overeater in Connecticut. Hi, everybody. Um, terror was such an asset. <laughs> I didn't feel that it was at the time, but um, that's how I uh, hooked up with God, with all of you, and um, with the program. Uh, I think um, I, I was just so scared that I did it. I, I jump, that, that old cliche, jump and the net will appear, and it did. And I didn't think it would, but it did. And the thing is, now that I'm thinking about it this morning from the perspective of a new person, um, gee, if you come to OA and you don't like what the steps do, you can always leave. It's not a marriage, you know. You don't have to go through a big legal thing to get out of it. Um, what have you got to lose? Thanks. I pass. Thank you. Anyone else? like to comment on this paragraph. Press star one to unmute. And Hi, Leah. This is, this is Kathy in Boston. Kathy, go ahead. Thank you, Leah. Um, this is Kathy in Boston, Kathy Kay, and I'm a recovering compulsive overeater. And these last two paragraphs point out to me how, how desperately I needed these Simple, very, very simple examples in order to consider um, letting go of my obstinacy. Um, I had been one that was raised to believe that self-sufficiency is the absolute way to live life, and I could not begin to consider relying on a higher power um, until I read these two paragraphs, and I've read them many times now, and they they give me a very simple reason to believe. And I also come from scientific training. And, you know, from very early on, I was taught uh, if, um, that we have to make assumptions. Um, if we can't see protons and neutrons, we have to assume certain things about electricity. And that's what's enabled me to open my mind. It's been a very, very, very slow process. But every time I read this paragraph, I'm reminded that that's where I started. Um, and just by being willing just a little bit, uh, I've been able to grow in my faith. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Kathy. Anyone, anyone else would like to comment on this paragraph? I'll jump in on this sentence here. Why this ready acceptance? Simply because it is impossible to explain what we see, feel, direct, and use without a reasonable assumption as a starting point. Um, you know, we are just 
surrounded by technology. There's so much creativity that goes on in our generation and all these inventions, you know, computers and iPods and iPhones and iTouch and iPad, you know, tremendous creativity and tremendous possibility, all the good things in life, you know, all this gadgetry. And it comes from a willingness to try something different and to see if it works. You know, we all marvel at it. We all worship these objects. You know, do we each, do each and every one of us understand exactly how it works? You know, do you? I mean, there may be a small percentage of people out there that could explain how these gadgets that um, are so abundant in, in our lives today work, but I would, I would uh, venture to to say that probably most of us can't explain it. I mean, I certainly can. You know, I joke around my household that I'm working my way up to low tech. I have no idea. I mean, if I can turn the thing on and and accomplish, you know, a couple of uh, a couple of procedures, I'm I'm delighted. I have no idea how it's working. Kim's Kim's uh, example of the GPS is marvelous. I mean, this highway system out here is like, you know, a bunch of, uh, you know, veins from every direction. I have no clue how it's all coordinated. All I have to do is punch in some information and go. I have no idea where that satellite is, how it ends up, you know, speaking out loud in my vehicle, but all I know is it gets me from point A to point B, and I need to go from A to B. And that was true when I showed up here. I was dying through this disease. I had no idea how destructive my hand could be digging my fists into cellophane bags day after day after day, and I was dying. And this program of recovery took me to, to, to that point of misery and torture and being haunted by this illness to a place where I could walk this planet free. And I had no idea who that God was or how he operates, but I can certainly tell you it worked. And and it was the willingness to change. It was the willingness to change my belief that led me to be able to do things that I once thought was impossible, such as recoil as if from a hot flame. <laughs> that was an impossibility for someone like me. But yet when I was willing to throw in the towel and say, you know what, I need a new mind. My intellect is a tool. It's something that is extremely useful, but I cannot transcend the intellect by using my intellect. You know, I need a new mind. I need a spirit-guided mind. And when my resistance stopped, God came in because I was willing to try something different. I was willing to try something different. So willingness is the foundation. Willingness is the foundation. Then God will prove his existence to me. AA doesn't try to prove God's existence. We specialize in convincing you of the need of God. And boy, did I know that <laughs> when I crawled my way into into this program of recovery. And with that, I pass. Anyone else want to comment on this paragraph? This is Paula. May I ask you? Paula, this yes, your turn. This and is then Judy. Judy. Paula and then Judy. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Good morning to all. 
you know, it says, let us have a look at some of them. So this is what they, they are presenting to you. Provided they are firmly grounded in fact. I'm going to scoot right there. We wanted to see the facts. You know, I don't know if those that may remember. I'll date myself. Joe Friday. Just the facts, ma'am. Nothing but the facts. Because, you know, sometimes we get sidetracked with things that aren't the facts. And what is the fact here? And it says we have numerous theories. And yes, I too, I don't know why things work. I don't know why things work. You know, I press a button, the computer goes on. Press a button, I can talk on the phone. I have no clue. But see, I don't know. I don't need to know. You know, when I go and stand in front of, uh, with a hairdryer in my hand, and I want to plug it in, hey, my hair ain't going to get dry, girl, unless I have a source of power. I needed a source of power. Somehow, with my pot being as small as it is, and it is, but I had to get the cord, had to get the plug, had to plug it in. Now, you may say, well, that was only such a small pot, but that was essential. That was essential. I did my part, and then I was connected, and there it is. And with that source of power coming through to me, to me, and then it says, everybody believes them without a murmur of doubt. Yeah. Was this ready acceptance? Another question. Simple, because it's impossible to explain. I can't. I can't. This is something only you need to experience. What we see, feel, direct, and use without a reasonable assumption, uh, and there it is, a starting point. Thank you for allowing me to share. And with that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Judy B., please. Uh, This is Judy B., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. I have to comment on this when I think about all of the... uh, modern conveniences that we have today and my mind just cannot explain or understand how these things happen and yet I see that you can be in a library in a in a mall and you can see 10 people on on cell phones all talking to different people in all parts of the country or world and they all can make connection at the same time it just it, it's just unexplainable to me how this can happen. And yet, do I accept it? I accept it because I see that it's true, that it happens. And um, so looking at this has helped me to understand that people all over the world can connect with their own higher power, with the, the, the person, the, the entity, the, um, the power that conceived them. And each one can connect in their own way. And um, at the same time, and is it explainable? For me, it's not explainable, but it happens, and it's true. And it just, it helps me to to realize that that this is not, this believing that this power can can connect with us and, and help each one of us at the same time, it's not impossible anymore to my thinking. I see that it happens. And, and as I get older, I see that it happens more and more. And, um, and, I, and I get to know that God has connected with my, my life over the years. And, and it's been a real connection. It's not, it's not pretend. It, it really happens. And um, can I explain it? I cannot. Can I understand it? I cannot. But I see that it's true. 
I see it in my own life, and I see it in those around me. And it's just, um, it's a beautiful thing. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. And we're out of time. Thank you to everyone who has shared around the room this morning. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Judy B., will you please read a vision for you? Certainly. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. I pass.